This is Hallway Chats, where we talk with some of the unique people in and around WordPress. Together, we meet and chat with folks you may not know about in our community. With our guests, we'll explore stories of living and of making a living with WordPress. And now the conversation begins. This is episode 37. Welcome to Hallway Chats. I'm Liam Dempsey. And I'm Tara Clays. Today, we're joined by Jeff Large. Jeff is an agency owner, teacher, and podcaster. He leads his team at Come Alive Creative in producing podcasts for businesses and brands. If you're into Myers-Briggs, Jeff is an ESTJA, but also almost an ENTJA, which makes him a mix of driven and flexible. Hi, Jeff. Welcome. Hello, hello. Hey, Jeff. Thanks for joining us today. Yeah, thank you for having me. Tell us a little bit more about yourself than what Tara just shared, please. What would you like to know? Because that is a huge question. (laughs) Well, let's start with what I don't understand is the Myers-Briggs. What's the driving factor behind taking the tests for you? Not for everybody, not the public necessarily, but why did you get into that? Why did you focus on that? Oh, I like learning. Um, I was a teacher. Before I did agency stuff um, or even start a business or anything, I taught uh, my formal educations all in education. Um, so I have like my bachelor's in under bachelor's in literature and language arts in for elementary and then almost master's for um, same thing, language arts, except for secondary. And I've always just cared a lot about it. Um, so I think understanding yourself and being sort of, uh, not introverted is not the word I want. Um, it's eluding me the word that I want to, to know, just to know yourself well, I think can make you better. And so it's always, yeah, yeah. Introspective. That's the word that I wanted. Thank you there. Um, has always helped. And so I don't necessarily care about Myers Briggs per se, but I really like just ways to sort of look at who I am and where my strengths lie, that type of thing. Yeah, that's that's interesting to me. I part of me always wonders if I take the test and it tells me, and I don't have the letters memorized. If it tells me A, does that automatically mean I am A, or is that what I was on the day? And am I going to start to try to conform to A because I was told by a reputable test that I am A? Yeah, no, I definitely hear that. There's ones that I think are better than others. I'm if I had to pick one, um, it's the one that goes along with the Strength Finders 2.0 book, and it's just the Strength Finders test and out of all of those, definitely, um, here, I'm going to pull up, not on my site. I think I have it on my phone, too. Yeah, the like my number one is learner. Like My, my top five that I rank for are learner, achiever, intellection, input, and responsibility. And it kind of just breaks down to I think a lot, I research a lot, and then as soon as I feel like I know, I just get on it and get it done type of a thing. And I take a lot of ownership over it, and that really feels very accurate to me and so it's it's kind of comfortable to be able to just go okay this is who I am I know what I'm good at I know what I'm not I'm gonna kick butt at the things that I know and I'm gonna hire out everything else that (laughs) that I'm not good at yeah it's also helpful in working with other people I am doing a leadership program in my local community and as part of that program everyone all 50 people in the class took a disc survey disc and it puts you you're either a d and i and s or a c and everyone knows what everyone else is in the class so when you're in a small group and you're meeting with people you know okay this person is a c that means that they're 
really detail oriented and they're kind of hesitant, whereas this person's a D and they jump right in, they don't have the patience for meetings. And so it helps not only to know yourself, but if you know a little bit, or if you may maybe guess about the people that you're interacting with to know maybe where they're coming from, it's helpful too. So yeah, it's super interesting. Yeah. I think that's huge. Our whole team, I've had them do the strength finders for that reason. Cause there was like gaps that I could tell even say, for a while, we had a pretty big gap with the sales side of things where I would always do it because I had to, um, but I don't care for it per se. And so we purposely sought out people with a specific skill set in order to jump in and help out with those aspects. And, and I, th- I think it's really, really awesome for anybody that's running a team. Yeah, that's a good approach. I'm glad to hear that. Let's um, let's back up a little bit and talk a little bit about your background. And so you're, you have a teaching background. How did you get into WordPress? Um, I had to promote ourselves, um, I think is like where it originally started. I think I, it began even, my web days be, began before WordPress because back in like high school and college, I used to be in bands. Um, I've always been a musician and we needed a, a website to promote ourselves. So I think I was building with like Dreamweaver back in like early 2000s in order to figure out how to do stuff and just like straight HTML pages, that type of thing. And it was shortly after that, well, maybe fast forward a few years, um, trying to think of why I needed, I needed a website again for something. Oh, it was for, we ran a a board game publishing company for a little bit. You guys, the audience can't, but you can see all the board games behind me. And we needed a website for that. And I was looking for new, new ways or better ways to go about doing it. And I had a friend introduce me to WordPress. So I was like, okay. Well, guess I'll figure this out. And I was always the kind of the tech person out of the crew that I was working with. And so that's originally how that started. And that was probably back in uh, maybe 2013 that I started using it. And then we launched our first site like around 2014, something like that. And then it just kind of grew from there. Ah, what's your favorite board game? <laughs> you gotta that's too much. You gotta give me a genre or or some some <laughs> you know, I boundaries. Saw <laughs> I saw those games behind you, and I just thought, you know, maybe you just you know had collected them over the years. But now I can see there's a lot of board games. No, there, no, you know? yeah, we we have. I purged. I recently purged and got rid of about like at least thirty. We probably have about a hundred and twenty or something that we own. But the coolest thing that I'm proud of is that I've probably played all of them except for like two two or three maybe where some people are like i have this huge collection and i've never touched it but i've actually played really? most of them do you like play every week or every day mm, we used to we or... used to play all the time um we don't as much now just between me running the agency and then my wife's working too and so she was always like the main person i'd play with and now it's mostly i have a i have two kids and it's mostly my me and my kids will play and then we'll get together with friends probably once a month and do game nights. And then we're obviously always the ones that bring the games. So, yeah, fun. They just opened a bar. There's a couple of them in this area. Like you pay to play board games at a bar. Yeah, so they do that. Play, yeah, they do that there too. Yeah, we got some different. There's one and there's several. And then there's one in particular that started like a Monday night um, on purpose, a pub in the area. And, and it's been pretty fun so far. Cool. That's great. Sorry, I've lost it. I, I, I keep looking out the window. I'll say it since we've got a break and we're going to have to edit it anyway. My son is outside playing. He keeps kicking the ball against the window. 
You gotta is leave it like it. 70 there too? Is it? Yeah, it's nice out. I can't fault them for wanting to be outside. Like, we've got an entire yard. Why do you have to come back? How funny. You got to keep that in. <laughs> That's the stuff that makes the listeners laugh. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I thought you were going to say something. So I was trying I was trying to back off. Liam, did you have something? I'm going to make a clap here for Brian. Yeah, I'll jump in on the board game thing. Um, tell me about how, because this interests me, when, where do hobbies and work meet? And how do you, or do you work board games into client pitches or meetings or conversations? You know, not necessarily, um, I like board games, so you should hire me. But maybe when you're explaining something technical or you're talking through your your process, does your board gaming come in in any way? 100%. Um, I will credit this to a good friend of mine. His name is Rich Mulholland. And he is he owns a public speaking um, firm. Basically, he teaches CEOs not to suck at public speaking. He's based out of South Africa. And he came across us through the podcast that I used to run for the board game publishing company that we had. And through him and just kind of going through that, he does a lot even with his agency to teach CEOs using board games. They'll do like these, I think he calls them game storming is, is what he uses them. And then there's things that I've learned from him and then just from the games themselves to go into a pitch. And so for example, um, we're very goal driven. So any client that we take on, I need to know what their goals are up front because it, it makes no sense for me to do anything or for me to try to make any sort of podcast or product for them if I don't know what the point is. And to get them on board, you think about, take a really, really basic game like Monopoly. Everybody knows how to win Monopoly. You got to get all the property and all the money. But if I told you, hey, okay, we're going to tweak the rules. Instead, the winner of the game is going to be who has the most of a specific color property. Or it's going to be the person that has um, the most money after turn three. Or whatever it might be, you're changing what would be called the victory condition. And so we'll go in and as we think about things, it's I'm always asking the clients, what is your victory condition? And that can change. That can change as time goes on. And so we might have a victory condition of one thing in the beginning of our contract in the first scope, but then it may change as time progresses. They grow, the, the variables are different, and then all of a sudden we have new victory conditions and uh, further post-scopes. Okay. I have a question moving into one of our questions that we ask everyone and I can totally tie it into that. What did you call it? Victory Victory condition. condition. Yeah. Yeah. So we talk about success. We love to hear what different people's perspectives on what success means to them. And I'm wondering if that can relate to this victory condition and as your goals change over time, maybe your view of success changes over time. But what would you say is your view of success and how it might relate to something like a victory condition that might change over time? I think, because I, I know you, you shared those ahead of time, and I thought about that one. I don't really have anything revolutionary for it per se. It's just, I feel like success is when you state a goal and accomplish that goal. Um, I probably more of the important thing is how you determine the things that you decide that are goal worthy, I guess. Like as I look at my own life and uh, whether it's like practical business things that I'm doing on an agency standpoint, whether it's personal things, like taking the time to actually identify worthy goals is 
where I would spend more of the time, and then it's just making sure that I accomplish it. And if I accomplish it, then I'm successful. How do you determine what's worthy? On both a personal and a professional level, if I can ask you that. Yeah, no, that's fine. I think the personal level is probably more important because obviously it's like who we are and who we are matters a lot. I would say for, I, I know not all, the entire audience, everybody out there, everybody that's listening has driving factors. They have motivators, things, the reasons why they do what they do. Maybe it's family, maybe it's faith, um, maybe it's personal drive, maybe it's um, you want to accomplish X, Y, Z, make a certain amount of money, whatever it is. We all have driving factors. And so I'm not going to tell you that mine are better than yours by any means. But I can also say that I'm my, my wife and I, we're both very faith-based people. We care a lot about growing in that capacity. And so a lot of my decisions usually revolve around... Um, some more of those theological type questions of, am I doing the right thing? Um, where should I be right now? How do I best respond in this situation? How do I love, how do I make decisions for me and my business that make it easier for me to love well, like both the people that I'm working with and the people around me. And so those are more of my driving factors. And then you have, you have to be practical at the same time and balance it against, um, am I being profitable? Am I being, um, am I growing? Like, all of those kind of things too, because you can't just live in a bubble either. Yeah, that's a good answer. I like that 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 comprehensive approach and that level of uniqueness to what's relevant to you. And I, I use relevant, but that may not be the right word. It's 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 deeper than relevance, isn't it? Um, I like that where you're trying to take a comprehensive approach to determining the the best way forward for you and for your family and for your business and the people around you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, the simple answer is just how can I love well? Um, how can I best serve? I, I authentically want to help people. Um, sometimes it gets difficult because not everybody else in our spaces, whether it's dev or marketing or whatever it is, always has the other person's intention in mind. And so sometimes people come to you, new clients come to you with a chip on their shoulder and you kind of got to work through that, but it's, it's understandable. Like I've, I've personally been burned. I've seen friends of mine get burned. And so you, you kind of work through, uh, the imperfections, <laughs> the imperfections of each other, but it's okay. Cause you just, you push and you hope for the best. And, um, I don't know, you just trust that your intentions are good and that the other person will be able to tell that. Yeah. I, I how do you merge that with the profitability factor? Either sometimes when your goal is to love well and to be a good, kind, nice person, you may have a tendency to um, put yourself in a position where you're risking your profitability because you want to be nice. And then sometimes you may have profit in mind and it may come across that profit is your primary motivation versus being um, helping a client solve their problem yeah the right way yeah I, th I i get what you're saying um or what you're asking it's not easy it took me a long time to even be okay with the idea of making money like even decent money like th that was tough uh for a long while i just kind of had an ill feeling about it but you learn after a while it's like 
by no means, I, I get sick of the word expert. And so I try to avoid it. I will say, I know what I'm talking about Thank when it you. comes to, <laughs> when it comes to audio. And I'm, I'm really confident in that. And I don't want to come off as arrogant. I hope I just come off as confident. I've been doing it for a while. I like it a lot. And we've just explored it in a lot of different ways. And so I need to take that confidence with a certain level of professionalism when I, when I walk into a client meeting. And it's okay for me to ask for fair rates based on the industry based on the type of work that we're doing and based on what the client can afford. All those things come into play and come into factor. Um, just because you're nice doesn't mean you're a pushover. Uh, I can love well and still charge a fair rate um, in the process. We will do other things. Like I typically, this isn't anything that I publicize. Um, I'll, I'll say it because you're kind of asking me about it. Like we'll usually be doing one pro bono project on the side. Um, but at the same time, I've had people approach me with where, like, say we'd already be working on one and they'd need something and I would just have to tell them no, because it wouldn't, that starts to start to cross over into, it wouldn't be healthy for me. Like if I start spreading myself too thin, then I'm just going to do a shoddy job across the board versus no, like right now we're focused on these client projects and maybe this pro bono thing, but next month I'll have an availability that I can help out. Or on the flip side, it's like, Simple questions, things that literally take me just a few minutes to answer or whatever it is. I get emails often about what equipment should I use or what should I do about this. I'm happy to send you the links about things that I've already written and I've built some websites that have to do with answering those questions just because I'd get them so frequently. But at the same time, I'm not going to sit down and it would be unreasonable and I think unfair for somebody to ask, hey, can I pick your brain for two hours straight? Like, So you just you find healthy boundaries and I don't think you have to compromise either. I'd agree with that. I would suggest that a big part of loving well includes loving ourselves well and fairly and justly. And part of that legitimate and fair and just self-love is going to include self-care. And time management is just part of self-care, right? If we take on 87 hours of pro bono work in one week, that's going to make it difficult to do paid work. And if we don't do paid work, then we can't pay employees or we can't put food in the fridge for the children and the family and pay rents and mortgage. So I, I, I like that. I think that love well is a much more comprehensive phrase, much more universally applicable phrase than it probably comes off at, or at least as I heard it when you first said it, but it's a, it's a pretty powerful phrase. Thank you. Yeah, I think it's complicated. I mean, even to, to your note, I had an interview cause I run a, a podcast too. If the viewers didn't know. And I had an interview with a person, Stephanie Hurlbert recently, and she was talking about how she gives a lot. If anybody follows her, like on Twitter, um, she's always talking to people, giving advice and that type of thing. And one of the things she pointed out to me in our interview is that she purposely accounts the time that she spends helping and offering other people as work time. And so if she has a lighter work week, she can give more. But if she has a heavier work week, she purposely pulls back and it's an easy way for her to stay balanced and level so she can continue to approach everything with her best. Mm, that's interesting. I wonder how you can do that, like turn it on and off like that, what your expectations are set for. But I will actually, I'm going to go back to the podcasting because we haven't talked about that yet. And I want to hear more about it. How did you get into podcasting and, uh, and what I know that you were telling us earlier that something that you love. So where does that come from? Uh, I would say the probably started with musicianship. Um, when I was in high school, just started, I think I started with bass guitar, like an electric bass guitar and moved to electric. And then I was 
vocals for some relatively kind of hardcore bands at the time, which is just sort of silly to think of now. And I got sick of yelling and playing at bars, so I started doing like acoustic songwriting. And then my uh, girlfriend at the time, which is now my wife, we would play uh, sometimes together. She would sing and I'd play and sing. And so I have this background in audio in general, and I've always really, really enjoyed it and kind of have a multimedia background. I was in uh, video production for a long time and have always enjoyed that as well. And it was when, going back to the board game thing that I said, when we first started, it's my wife and my cousin and I, and we were figuring out how could we market ourselves in a way that was meaningful. And we figured, okay, why not try podcasts? Because we knew we were going to take our first game to Kickstarter. We are going to go and try to crowdfund it. And so instead of just showing up and being like, hey, give us your money, we wanted to create some value for other people first. And we started a podcast that was all on the business of board games. And so we were looking at how are people designing them, manufacturers, publishers, all of those steps. And we'd just be interviewing those kinds of people. So on one hand, we learned everything we needed to know to produce the game and then at the same time other people were learning from us and we were building a good audience and and that's where it began Um, and then to fast forward a little bit more once I started the agency come alive we began as we did about four years worth of web development and digital marketing for people and one of the aspects of digital marketing was we ran some podcasts where we used them as marketing promotional tools for our clients And it was about halfway through last year, which is uh, 2017 now, halfway through 2017, I just kind of got, for a variety of reasons, got sick of doing the web dev side of it. And I said, let's let's drop everything except for podcasting. And so that's where we decided to niche down and... um, it was it was slow going at first, but it's starting to it's starting to gain traction now. So that it's been good. Yeah, there are seem to be more and more podcasts coming out. So are you you're going after any particular type of podcaster or new podcasters existing? Where are you where are you marketing? Uh it depends. I we have sort of two This is how I'll answer that question. There's sort of three main levels of people that can help someone who wants to start a podcast. And then there's two more or less verticals that we're looking at as an agency. So normally if somebody wants to begin a podcast or wants to improve on a podcast, there's a lot of people out there who create tutorials or videos um, or PDFs or guides or whatever it is. And that's kind of a low barrier to entry. Maybe the content's free, maybe it's not. The second and probably most saturated area of help that you can get is for people that want editing and so usually if you have a podcast file you send it to the agency or the company or the person and they edit your file and they either send it back to you or they get it posted for you or there's this kind of final tier uh it's a little more of a a turnkey approach or a holistic look at it where that's where we settled in Um, we can handle just like say for example the production side is one out of four facets that we focus on And so we're looking at it from a planning standpoint, the production, which would include the editing or the recording and the editing, promotion, so actually looking at it after the fact, how are you getting word out about it, and then tracking progress. Um, And so measuring, defining some key performance indicators of what success looks like for the cast, and then tracking those things. Um, And so what we've done is that on one hand, we're the service side, Um, we're typically working with businesses. Um, that have some sort of goal that they need to hit. It could be things like they want to grow authority in a specific niche. They need to build trust with an audience in order to bring more people in to purchase from them or work with them. It could be networking aspects. 
Uh, it could just be a general content strategy that they're trying to be in more places. And then on the other side, for the people, there's plenty of people that don't fit that mold. Like that would just be kind of overkill for them to work with us in that way. We also have an academy that I've set up as a membership site that basically helps people that are more on the entry level of, I just want to learn how to cast. And then they can go to that. And there's like, right now there's like 40 plus courses or something that or tutorials and videos and things that you can take in order to learn how to do it yourself. There's a lot to, to get into that. And I, I want to focus on your transition, your pivot from web dev and marketing into really just podcasting. Tell us a little bit about that process for you. Uh, presumably it was, you know, thinking about it over time, but once, once the decision was made, you said you did a lot of research, you're a research guy going back to the Myers-Briggs letters that I can't remember. <laughs> uh, research done, decision made. Who, who was involved in that? Were you a company at that point? Was there a team behind you that you need to, to, to convince or have support? Or how did that all come together for you? Um, okay. The way that we're structured is everybody, we have a small team. Um, there's probably about four or five of us that kind of I consider our core. And then we have other people outside of that, maybe upwards to 10 people that, depending on the specialty of the project, we bring them in. They're just regular people that we bring in or small agent, other small agencies we bring in. Um, for the most part, I don't think there's anyone on the team that doesn't trust me, which is really, really nice. And so there's not a whole lot of convincing to do. They, I <laughs> just kind of inform them of what's going on. Um, I keep them in the loop. Like, I mean, they, they see the process firsthand. They see me thinking. I'll, I'll let them know. It's not like, hey, guys, we're doing a 180-degree flip. They'll know in advance. I'll go, hey, this is something sure. I'm considering. Just wanted to keep you posted. These are the reasons why. So they're really well informed as we're going through it. Um, I would say probably the primary person. Um, I have a few advisors that I look to. One of them is the person that I mentioned earlier, Rich. And then I have a few other gentlemen who just have way more experience than me in terms of running business between time and scale and all this stuff. And I'll go to them often for like just general advice. And then obviously I got to give big props to my wife because she's been in it through. She's not actually part of the company. She helps with a lot of different things, but she sort of does her own thing still. And she's been a, a tremendous asset um, in that regard too, to just be a good sounding board, someone that knows me better than anybody else and then can kind of call me call me on my stuff when it's good or bad sure. um and so that's sort of the the process and then what was the other part of your question kind of how did it play out uh in terms of you know okay we're now getting more audio equipment for everyone on the team because we got to do podcasting editing and you know you don't need as big a monitor because you're not building things anymore and i'm being a little bit silly and tongue-in-cheek on, on kind of the checklist but the practicalities of we're no longer going to do this service we're going to do a tangential but actually in a lot of ways very very different service yeah so how did how did that work you know did you call up the old clients and say are you interested in a podcast or uh where did that where did that come together okay um think especially for the listeners out there think about if you're a freelancer or if you own an agency Think about when you first started and how crazy and scary that was. And then think about working for four years and then deciding to do that again. <laughs> so, yeah, that's scary. That's very much what it was like. Is um, your is your team, are they employees of yours or are they contractors? How, are they, it's your company and they're 
they've been with you this whole time? Yeah, they're everybody's contracted. Um, every because everybody kind of just does their own thing, and it's been really nice in that way. We don't have um, because we always we run really small. We run really small, like I was saying, and, and light. But we can we're efficient, so we get a lot of work done when we need to. And everybody has their own little niche, and everybody has most of the people have like some other aspect of what they're doing. Um, I'm the only one that's all in on the company, and everybody else. This is kind of um, again to use to use trite phrases. This is sort of their side hustle, but at the same time, everyone's awesome. Like I've known two of our designers. I've known one of them since I was in middle school. The other one I've known for eight years now. Um, we have other developers that I've come across just doing from doing all the web dev things that they'll help out with a lot of our internal projects. Like if I can't do it myself or I don't have the time to do it myself. And then we've brought on more people more or less after the switch. Um, we have kind of that core element of the design and dev was always in place. I had a little bit of help with the video aspects of things just with the tutorial sides and that and then since we made the switch um, we've brought on a couple more like copywriters and people that will help with uh, more or less like um, kind of executive assistants that will help with the just admin style tasks of creating the posts themselves and and doing different things like that a lot of research um, we'll have to do a fair amount of research especially during our planning phases and and that type of thing We are going to be running out of time, so I want to ask one more question of you, pivoting ourselves, which maybe we can tie it back in, but uh, can you tell us about advice you've received, specifically the most important piece of advice that you might pinpoint that you've implemented in your life, whether it's personal or professional? That one's loaded, and I've received all kinds of amazing advice. We like loaded questions. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you give me a loaded question when we have one minute left. Um, <laughs> you can have an extra 10 we seconds. Have, we don't have a hard time. <laughs> okay, great. That's exactly what I needed. Just 10 seconds. <laughs> no, I can think back to, I had a really, really excellent college professor and I'll give him props. Um, there was a time that I was stewing over something and I was talking to him about it. And it's going to be really dead simple, dead simple advice, but it's something that I feel like for whatever dumb reason we ignore often, or at least I'll speak for myself, I ignored. And I was like, look, I, I know what I need to do. I'm having such a hard time making that decision. And he was like, can I tell you something? I'm like, sure, go for it. And he just said, just do it. And I don't mean it from the Nike sense. Just if you know what you need to do, go ahead and do it. And there's been plenty of times in my life where I knew what I needed to do and I might not wanted to because it either wasn't convenient or it didn't necessarily benefit me or it was just flat out scary. And I've always sort of gone back to that where it's like, you know what? I want to be a person of integrity. I want to handle this situation well. And despite whatever, I'm going to do the thing that I know I need to do. That's excellent. I've been paying a lot of attention lately to productivity and sort of life goals. And I came across this thing called the five second rule. Have you heard of that? I think I so. Remind me though. I can't remember her name, um, but that's basically her. She's a, you know, she's a motivational speaker and I'm sorry, I can't remember her name, but she uh, has a book called the five second rule. And it's basically that idea that you act quickly on something to do it, to just do it before you 
dwell on it for too long and and change your mind. <laughs> so yeah. I don't know if that may be more specific to what you're talking about, but but I think it's a general philosophy of move forward with something rather than let it just kind of linger in yeah. your thought process. So yeah, I appreciate that advice very much. Thank you for sharing it. And I see that circling back around to live well or love well. You know, if it's the right thing to do, yeah. it's the right thing to do. And, you know, that, that can be at different levels, right? Is, you know, should I stop now to get the milk or get up tomorrow morning? Well, the right thing is probably just to stop and get it done with. <laughs> but, but there's also bigger questions around the right thing to do. And it, it circles back to that. Good advice. Thank you for sharing that, Jeff. Yeah, you're yeah, welcome. Thanks. So we'll uh, wrap it up now by asking you to please share with us where people can find you. Ooh, I got a lot of places, but for the sake of ease, I'll give you two. You can okay, either we can put the rest in the show notes. So okay, yeah. um, I was thinking about I was gonna make one of those really exciting landing pages for all the listeners, but I didn't do it yet. So now I'm just gonna tell you to go to my main sites. <laughs> if you want to learn more about me personally or hear my podcast, that type of thing, you can just go to jefflarge.com. And then if you want to learn more about our agency, you can go to comealivecreative.com. Great, thank you. Are you on any social media? People yeah, yeah. Twitter would be the best one. I hate most social media. Twitter is the only one that I actually engage with people on and have I try to talk to. And, and so if anyone ever has a question or just a quick blurb for me in some capacity or question about podcasting or audio, um, you can find me at Real Jeff Large because somebody else unfortunately already took the normal Jeff Large and they're not using it and it makes me frustrated. But uh. <laughs> Real Jeff Large. <laughs> The normal Jeff Large. <laughs> uh, well, thanks for sharing with us today, Jeff. It's great to meet you and um, best wishes. Hope to meet you in person sometime. Yeah, thank you both for having me. I really appreciate it. It's been a real pleasure, Jeff. Thanks so much for spending time with us. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the show. We sure hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. If you like what we're doing here, meeting new people in our WordPress community, we invite you to tell others about it. We're on iTunes and at hallwaychats.com. Better yet, ask your WordPress friends and colleagues to join us on the show. Encourage them to complete the Beyond the Show form on our site to tell us about themselves.